David Needham, in his book titled Birthright, writes these words. He says, at the moment you put your faith in Jesus for salvation, a new person came into being who had never existed before. He says, you are not a repaint job, but a brand new creature. The old you was crucified on the cross with Christ. The new you was born of the Holy Spirit and has been raised with Christ and seated with him in the heavenlies. You were dead spiritually. Now you are alive spiritually. He says, for the first time, you are alive the way God meant you to be alive. This is why we can celebrate the ultimate freedom that we have in Christ because he's set us free from the bondage to this world, the bondage to sin and death, and now we're free to experience the life that we were meant to experience in the way that he created it in the garden. He came to fix the broken world, our brokenness, and now we can celebrate the freedom that we have when we put our faith and trust in Christ for our salvation and he frees us from these things in this way. I think what David Needham also says here is a great summary of one of the major things we've been trying to get across in this summer message series that we've been in over the last several weeks, which of course has been on identity and the, what we've been trying to say and help everyone to understand and grasp and take ownership of is that, again, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus for salvation, we're not just forgiven, and we're not just given a chance to go to heaven one day, but as David Needham pointed out, we become a whole new creation, a person that didn't exist before. In the moment that we put our faith and trust, we are regenerated. We are born again into someone completely new, and we don't often feel that we're new. We don't look new on the outside. And so we have to go to Scripture and ask Jesus to reveal to us what's so new about us. Which, of course, is what we've been doing over the last several weeks. We've been diving into Scripture and unpacking what God's Word has to say about this new person that we've become, this new identity that we now have, this rock-solid foundational identity that does not change with our situations or our circumstances. And these are important truths for us to, to understand and know these are foundational because if, if you've become someone new but you don't know it or you don't know what kind of a new creation that you've become, then it's going to be kind of difficult to live out who you are because we all have a tendency to live out what we truly believe about ourselves, what it is that we believe about us influences our actions and our behaviors and the way that we live this life. And so what we've been trying to do is help us to see through the lens of, of course, Scripture, who we become in Christ so that we can go and live who we now are. 
And so it's been a great series so far. Several of you have talked about how freeing some of these identity truths have been to you. Some of you have talked about how life-giving they've been uh, for, for you, and I'm excited um, that that is uh, what is, God has been doing in and through you with some of these messages and these truths that have been revealed from Scripture. And my hope is that that will continue to happen for those of you who have placed your faith and trust in Christ for salvation and if you've missed any of these that you could maybe go back and and listen to them because they're available at any time on our website or Facebook or YouTube Um, but my hope is also for those of you who may even be here today or may be watching online today and you've never taken a step of faith You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. You're just here kind of checking this whole Jesus thing out and trying to figure out what this whole church thing is about. Or maybe someone invited you today and you don't really know why you're here. You just came with them that through today or through any messages that you go back and watch, you would begin to see what this is really all about. What happens when we put our faith and trust in Jesus for salvation? What's available to you as a result of what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago and still has influence and impact on your life today? And so this morning, as we continue to learn more about our identity and who we become, the moment we put our faith and trust in Christ for salvation, I want to focus I want to focus on what Scripture says about citizenship this morning. I want us to focus on what our identity is as that of citizens. We, of course, this morning have been focusing on it being July the 4th and expressing our gratitude to God for our country and the, the freedoms that we have, where it is that we, we get to live and what is available to us in this uh, great country that we live in. We've been uh, expressing our gratitude for those who have fought for us to be able to have the very freedoms that we have, and it's been, and it's been good, and, and these are things that we can participate in and share in together, but what I want us to do with the rest of our time today is to explore a little bit more about our identity being found in being American citizens versus what Scripture says about citizenship and identity. And so we're going to dive into God's Word, and we're going to specifically look at, first and foremost, what the Apostle Paul had to say to the church at Philippi. Before we read, and I tell you what Paul said to the church at Philippi about this issue, what you need to know is that this area of uh, the, uh, this colony that Paul was writing to called Philippi, one of the things that you may or may not know about that area at this particular point in time when Paul was writing this a few thousand years ago is that those who lived in the colony of Philippi were all Roman citizens. Now, for some of us, you may go, well, okay, there was the Roman Empire during that time, and so, no duh, wasn't everybody a Roman citizen? No, not everyone who lived in the Roman Empire was actually a citizen of Rome. 
but everyone in the colony of Philippi was a citizen of Rome. They were Roman citizens, and they experienced special privileges and rights in being Roman citizens. And so not all of these people who were there were birthed into Roman citizenship. They were given their Roman citizenship due to situations and circumstances we're not going into right now in this moment uh, because it's not a history lesson, but it impacts what the Apostle Paul is saying here because if you receive special privileges and rights as a Roman citizen, then you would tend to express your gratitude to that being given to you in a way where you put your allegiance in uh, to the country and those who were um, overseeing the, the country or the Roman Empire, and they did. You might say that they found their identity in being Roman citizens. But look at what the Apostle Paul writes to the church there in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. He says that their citizenship is not actually in Rome, but in heaven. He says, you guys may be technically Roman citizens, but now that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are first and foremost citizens of heaven, not a citizen of Rome. Now, for some of us, we go, how in the world is that possible, <laughs> right? I mean, if heaven is a place that we go when we die, how in the world could the Apostle Paul say they were already citizens of heaven if they were still alive? Well, the reason Paul could say that is because he was talking about it in a spiritual sense, that they were already spiritual citizens of heaven. They were already spiritually seated there. The Apostle Paul unpacks this in a few other places in Scripture. If you look at Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes to them there. He says, since then, you have been. If you're writing, following along there, underline, highlight that. It's past tense. Then, since then, you have been raised with Christ. He says to set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He says to set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. But again, the Apostle Paul says, you have been raised, not you will be raised one day. You've already, past tense, been raised up. You're already spiritually seated in heaven. This is what happens to you the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus comes to live in you spiritually. Spiritually, the Spirit joins to your spirit, putting you in union with Christ, and He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and you're in union with Him, so you're seated there with Him. You are now a citizen of heaven. It's part of your new identity. The Apostle Paul would even say it this way in Ephesians chapter 2 when he was writing to them. The first three verses of chapter 2, he talks about how they were spiritually dead and all the things that were true of them before they came to know Christ. But then he goes on to say in verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 
Once again, saying the same thing, that God raised us up the moment we put our faith and trust in him. He seated us with him already in the heavenly realms. It's already true of any of us the moment we put our faith and trust in Christ. Our citizenship is now found in heaven. Now, one of the things that Paul would go on to say eventually, just a few verses later, he talks a little bit more about the impact that that makes in their lives as Gentiles. He's writing to a lot of those uh, Gentiles, and, and, and he's talking about in Ephesians 2 after this about how they kind of become incorporated into um, the, God's, God's family and how he, God brings the Jews and the Gentiles together. And look at, look at the language that he uses just a few verses later after unpacking. You were spiritually dead. Now you're spiritually alive, and you've been raised up with Christ. And then he specifically goes on to say this, beginning in verse 14. He says, For he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. So let's just stop right there. Paul's saying at before Jesus' work on the cross, if, if you would have sat the Jews and the Gentiles in this room together, you could take this center aisle right here and just throw a wall all the way up to the ceiling and all the way across back over here. And the Jews would have been sitting on one side and the Gentiles would have been sitting on the other side. And the Jews, those who were of the Israelites, nation, the nationality, they were Israelite citizens, would have been thinking about the other people on the other side of the wall as less than them. They would have been filled with pride in being a citizen of the Israelite nation as opposed to all the other nations, all the other Gentiles over here. We're better than them. But Jesus, Paul is saying that Jesus, through his work, finished work on the cross, broke down the barrier and the hostility that existed between the two groups. And now there's no longer, he said, Jews over here. There's no longer Gentiles over here. He said he's done away with the Jews and the Gentiles, and he's bringing together something new, one new humanity. One new humanity called the church, made up of Jews and Gentiles, people from all nations. No longer, in other words, you could say that we're no longer primarily identifying ourselves through our nationality or our race or in any of those kinds of things. We're identifying ourselves as citizens of heaven so that we've all been brought together as one, even though we live in different places throughout the world. You see what Paul's getting at here and the implications of those things. He would even go on to say in verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. He's trying to help the Gentiles see that, that they've been incorporated into God's family, but even in trying to help them get to see their value and their status, you see what he's also saying 
saying in an indirect way about the Jewish nation and their identity being found in those things. And Paul would write over and over in all of these places that there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, nor male nor female, these kind of things that we primarily tend to identify ourselves by in those. He goes, no, no, that's, the, the wall's been broken down on those things. Those may be true about you, but they become secondary things about you. You are primarily, first and foremost, a son or daughter of God, who is, again, as we've been talking about the last several weeks, no longer, or not just a sinner saved by grace, but a saint who sometimes sinned, who's completely forgiven, and a citizen of heaven. A couple of other quick places I want to show you. These were things that Paul said. Look at what Peter, another one of the disciples, had to say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through, uh, well, 11 we'll go through. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, is he talking about a holy nation defined by borders? A country, nationality there? No, 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 no. A holy nation, all of those who are brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what nation they live on on earth, are part of a new nation. A spiritual, a citizenship of heaven nation. God's special possession. Why did he do that? Why would he do the work of making the other places secondary in this primary? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He says, once you were not a people, not the people of God, but now you are the people. And look how he refers to him in verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you, look at what he calls them. Temporary residents and foreigners did you or you you know you, you are a foreigner to this world this is not your home the united states of america ultimately is not your home you are of another world now your home is in Heaven, He says, you're no longer primarily identified as citizens of this world. You're temporary residents because your citizenship is now in heaven. Last one, 2 Corinthians 5. We've read this verse before associated with the new creation we become in 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. But look what he goes on to say. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We're no longer primary citizens again of this world or whatever country we live in. We are ambassadors to the country or the place that we now live in. We live in this world and we live in this country as a citizen of heaven representing heaven to the country that we just happen to live in. You realize God could have placed you anywhere. You could be a citizen in any country, wherever it is. He could still move you. <laughs> and wherever he does, you would still be a citizen of heaven who is representing heaven to the location or the nation that he has placed you 
in. I think you get what it is that I'm trying to say this morning. The, the, the primary identity, the identity truth statement that we are going to leave here, the bottom line today is just that in Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. It is your primary identity. And you may live in the United States of America and may be a citizen of this country, but you are not an American Christian. You're not. We can't put the term American in front of Christian because it emphasizes the American part. They were first and foremost Americans and Christians. We're identifying the type of Christians that we are. And he says, no, 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 you're a citizen of heaven, Christian, who is an ambassador to the United States of America. And you may be a citizen here. And you can have uh, enjoy that and take pride in that in, in a way and, and be glad that I placed you in this area. But there are implications to being a citizen of heaven first and foremost and finding your identity as a citizen of the place that I've sent you to be an ambassador. And so I want to highlight quickly just three things, three implications that this has if we are citizens of heaven when we talk about being citizens of the United States of America as well. And the first one is this. If we're a citizen of heaven, then we worship Christ, not the United States of America. We worship Christ, not the United States of America. We worship Christ, not a leader of the United States of America. Now, if, if we found our identity in being a United States citizen, and that was primary, then we would need to worship the United States of America because it's how we find our meaning and our purpose in being an American. And so we would elevate it to the status of what gives us meaning and purpose. And so we are going to make sure that we worship America because we need people to understand the primacy of that and how great it is that we are because I find my identity and meaning and purpose in that, but we don't. Because our identity is not found first and foremost in being a citizen of the United States. It's found first and foremost in being a citizen of heaven. And we draw our meaning and our purpose and identity from Christ. So then therefore, since he's the one who provides those things for us, and he is the Lord of lords and the kings of kings, the king of the kingdom of heaven, then he's the one who gets our allegiance. He's the one who deserves our worship. If you were to evaluate your actions and I were to evaluate my actions, because I think most of us would say as Christians, that's true. Yeah, we worship Christ, not America. We love where we live, but Christ is first and foremost. But I think what we would want to do and need to do is not just evaluate our words and what we think in our minds, but the actions associated with how we value living in our country and how we value Christ. Do we see in our activities and our actions things that speak more highly of and get our attention over things involved with our country if we were to really evaluate that over time? Or do we see that Christ is getting the worship from our actions and the words that are coming out of our mouth? And unfortunately, I think for some of us, 
the answer might be what would be revealed is that we really are worshiping the United States over, of America over our Lord of Lords and our King of Kings who's the King of the kingdom that we're now ultimately from. And so this is an implication that we need to dive into when we're talking about being first and foremost citizens of heaven and secondarily citizens of the U.S. or wherever we live. Here's the second implication. We humbly celebrate our American citizenship and value and love and serve all people in other countries. And, and here's what I mean by this. Sometimes it feels like when we celebrate the United States of America that we, and I'm saying we because I've found this to be true of myself as well from time to time, but we do it in such a prideful way that we feel like we're better than other parts of the world. We celebrate our country and where we live and that we are American citizens and that makes us greater people in some way than people who live in other parts of the world and we look down on other countries and we look down on other people who live in other countries sometimes. But again, if our primary identity were to be found in being an American citizen, then we would need that to be true. We need to act as if this is true because it, would, again, would be how we find our meaning and purpose. We're better than you. You're the enemy. This is how I draw my meaning and purpose. But did you know that, listen, did you know that, that you have more in common? You have more in common with someone who is a Chinese citizen, who is a Christian than you have in common with someone who is an American citizen and is not a Christian. You, you do, because our primary identity is found in who we are and become in Christ, and someone who lives all the way on the other side of the world is now your brother or sister in Christ and shares in your sainthood and also in being a citizen of heaven where we are all ultimately from. And so you could have a billion other earthly things in common with someone who lives in the United States of America, but you ultimately have more in common with someone on the other side of the world who is a Christian if that person that's from the United States is not. Another thing we need to keep in mind is that Jesus said in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, that we are to value and respect people from all over the world as being created in the image of God and that Jesus laid his life down on the cross for them because he valued them as well and so in the same way that he may send us as ambassadors to the United States of America he's also sending us to the nations and to support the gospel being spread all over not, not leading us to lord it over people in other countries but to value them love them share the gospel with them and come under them in service Paul says to place other people and their interest above our own. If the Spirit is leading us, we value them above even us. 
So we can't celebrate in a way if that is what it means to you and I when we celebrate our freedoms and we live our lives in this way that it is a prideful thing over and above other countries and us not living there and being like the people there, then that is a misunderstanding of your identity being found in being an American citizen over that of being a citizen of heaven. So let's worship Christ and not the United States of America. Let's be careful uh, about how we're taking pride in where it is that we live and what we ultimately mean by that. Let's humbly celebrate our American citizenship and value and love and serve people in all other countries. Here's the third and final implication that I want to talk about this morning. In Matthew 28, he said to go and make disciples. So that's what we do. We go and we make disciples. You can put in parentheses there, of Christ, not our version of of better American citizens. Well, let's be honest, we all kind of have our version of what it looks like to, to be the best American citizen that we could be. We have our opinions about what political party you should belong to if you're going to be the best American citizen that you should be. We have our opinions about what you should do or don't do with the flag or what you do or don't do with the national anthem or what you, who you support, what groups you support, what groups you shouldn't support, and, and a number of other things. And we may not have a physical list, but we all kind of have a mental list of what we think is the best way, the right way, to live as an American citizen. And unfortunately, the way it seems like many of us live our lives, even as Christians, it seems like the primary goal that we have in life, the main thing that we are trying to spend our time and energy doing is to convince people that we are right about living as Americans this way and bringing them over to our team to view it that way and begin to start acting it out and living that way. We really do. We, we talk about how people are not living the right way as American citizens. We share it in our conversations. We make post after post on social media highlighting all the people who don't live as American citizens the right way, the way we feel should be the right way, and we talk about them as if they're the enemy and the devil and the people that are ruining our country, and if only their behavior would change and they would begin to live out the right way as American citizens, then everything would be better. And we spent our time over and over and we gang up with other people who think like us about the right ways to live and we, we look down on them as the, the enemy over here. But listen, I said a second ago that you have more in common with someone who lives in China or wherever and is a Christian than someone in the United States who's not a Christian. The same is true about your political party. You, if you're a Republican, you have more in common with a Democrat who is a Christian than you do with a Republican who's not a Christian. You have more in common with someone who doesn't share your views of the best way to live as American citizens. You have more in common with that person who views it differently than you and is a Christian, though, than someone who shares all the same views about the way to live as American citizens but doesn't, uh, hasn't made a profession of faith and isn't a Christian. But sometimes we act as if they're the same thing, that to be a good American citizen means 
that you're a Christian. Or, or that that's really what living the Christian life is all about, is living in the United States of America in this particular way. But remember that even if you're right about that, because some of you may make that argument, you know, you, you could. You could say, okay, well, I realize my primary citizenship is in heaven, um, and I feel like that if I'm keeping my eyes on the kingdom of heaven, that he's influencing the way that I live in the country that he's placed me in, that this is the right way that he would have me and everyone else live because it's from him. So here's what I want you to think about. Even if you were right, and I'm not saying you are, but even if you were right about your assumption that this is the right way that Jesus wants us to live as American citizens, and you share that view, and everyone else is wrong, and they're the enemy, don't forget about what Jesus said about enemies. We're to love them. We're to serve them. We're to put ourselves under them and share the gospel with them. We don't need those people to just start learning to live as better American citizens. They could become a better American citizen and still die and go to hell. But we would be happy because they were living it out the way that we were living it out. And for some of us, again, that almost equates the same thing. And it's not. I think we have to evaluate, are we spending our time making disciples of Christ or are we spending ourselves making disciples of the United States of America and the right way to live our version of being an American citizen? As an American citizen and someone who lives here, we should celebrate July 4th. I'm, I'm gonna celebrate July 4th. I love that this is where God has placed me as an ambassador in the country that I get to live in. And we can celebrate our freedoms and we can honor the people who have given their lives for us to enjoy the freedoms that we do have in this country. We can live being grateful of the place that the Lord allows us to live, but we cannot Worship America over Christ. We cannot live in pride over other people in other parts of the world, and we cannot live our lives as if we are trying to make disciples of the United States as opposed to disciples of Christ. And so as we do these things and as we celebrate today and as we live in this great country that God has called us to live in, let's make ourselves available to him. Let's keep our eyes on the King of kings and the Lord of lords, uh, our eyes focused on the things above so that we remember that we are ultimately from that place and we're ambassadors here, that we are his instruments to go share his love and his grace and his mercy with a lost and a dying world world all around us in this country that he's placed us in for that very reason.